All of our episodes are very personal, but this one is especially close to us. We dedicate this to Ziggy, Quentin, Apollo, Chester, Maverick, and Chrissy. Welcome to Laugh at the Odds podcast with Heidi and Dave. We are here to laugh at the odds and live our lives so well that death will tremble to take us. Named after this Charles Bukowski quote on the meaning of life, Laugh at the Odds is a he said, she said podcast about surviving the loss of a spouse or partner through the lens of a young interracial widowed couple. In this episode, we'll be talking about my very recent loss, Dave's own losses from years prior, and how these have affected us both as widowed people as well as Benji. We'll also be speaking with Nancy Saxon-Lopez and Ken Dolan Del Vecchio, both therapists who ran a pet loss group for 30 years and co-authors of the book, The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups. They're also co-hosts of the podcast, The Pet Loss Companion. They'll help us navigate and understand our own experiences with pet loss and also share lessons and advice from their collective years in behavioral health in general and in the subject of pet loss in particular. Welcome, Nancy and Ken. Thank you. Hello. Thanks for having us. Thanks for being here. Nancy Saxton Lopez is a licensed clinical social worker, psychotherapist, speaker, trainer, coach, and consultant. She has had over 30 years of clinical and managerial experience in behavioral health. She currently is senior partner in clinical services management, a behavioral health consulting management firm. Ms. Saxton Lopez also maintains a private practice providing therapy and coaching to adolescents and adults. She is well-versed working with adolescent issues, depression, anxiety, and life challenges. Her main expertise is in grief and bereavement, specifically companion animal loss. She co-led a support group for companion animal loss in New Jersey for 30 years. Ms. Saxton Lopez also co-authored the book, The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups, with Ken Dolan Del Vecchio. She is a graduate of New York University School of Social Work, has a certificate in family therapy from the New Jersey Center for Family Studies, and holds a certificate from the University of Tennessee in veterinary social work. Ken Dolan Del Vecchio is a licensed marriage and family therapist, licensed clinical social worker, and senior professional in human resources. He is a lifelong animal companion enthusiast who, along with fellow therapist Nancy Saxton Lopez, co-authored The Pet Loss Companion, healing advice from family therapists who lead pet loss groups. Ken and Nancy host The Pet Loss Companion live broadcast on YouTube and Facebook every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Ken is the author or co-author of three other books, including his latest, Simple Habits of Exceptional but Not Perfect Parents. He is an award-winning leader and keynote speaker in the field of workplace mental health and leadership. In 2017, Ken retired from his 19-year tenure at Prudential, where as Vice President Health and Wellness, he was responsible for behavioral health services for U.S. employees, leadership consulting internationally, and violence prevention. Learn more at greengateleadership.com and see Ken's videos on YouTube at Work Life Confidential and The Pet Life Companion. Thank you so much, Nancy and Ken, for being on our show. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be with you. 
So the reason why we wanted to talk in particular about, um, you know, ESAs, emotional support animals, companion animals, and pet loss and grief is because of my very recent experience, my own loss uh, with my ESA, or as I call him, my grief puppy, Ziggy. Um, So I guess I should just start talking about Ziggy. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to try to get through this without getting emotional, too emotional. It's okay if you do. I guess. (laughs) Most of our listeners know that my husband, Arnell, passed away in 2014 from um, a pulmonary embolism while he was out cycling with a friend. I adopted Ziggy from a Schnauzer rescue organization in New Jersey in March 2015, approximately eight months after Arnell passed. It was actually interesting how I found him. I was basically scouring Pet Finder and I kept you know, reaching out to all these organizations. Um, And it's actually pretty tough getting an animal, rescuing an animal, because the screening process is just so stringent for a lot of these rescue organizations. But anyway, finally, I was able to successfully adopt Ziggy on March 31, 2015. So he is... He's very special to me. He's, you know, I read somewhere that, you know, you can have a dog of a lifetime and he certainly is mine. I am, I don't like to lead with my diagnoses because I'm certainly not my diagnoses, but I think in this case it's relevant. Um, So I was diagnosed with uh, major depression, anxiety, PTSD as a result of bereavement from my husband's passing and I was hospitalized. And when I came back home, (laughs) It was, you know, I had very, it was very difficult for me, you know, being alone, being back in my house after, you know, after my husband passed and just, you know, the darkness, the overwhelming darkness and uh, loneliness that I experienced. And Ziggy was there for me day in, day out, every single night, you know, many nights I was just kind of like, it felt very claustrophobic, just the darkness and the loneliness and the depression. And he grounded me, he helped me. And he literally pulled me from the abyss on more than one occasion. You know, um, I won't talk about the details, but he, I, I, he's certainly the reason why I'm alive today. Um, he actually fought cancer valiantly <laughs> um, two years ago. So he fought hemangiosarcoma, which is a very aggressive form of, um, of cancer. It's cancer of the, um, uh, the wall of the, the, oh gosh, I'm going to have to look it up again. I think it's the cancer of the blood, the wall of the blood cells. And it's very aggressive. And most dogs who are diagnosed with this usually already in the very last stage, you know, stage four. I was very lucky because we found it fairly early on. He did a round of chemo and he, he lived another two years as a result. Um, but he, you know, there was a rapid decline, I would say, beginning of this year. And basically we had to make the really difficult decision of putting him down as of May 5th of this year. So about 20, 20 days ago. Yeah. That was... That was just a few, not, it was just happened. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's really fresh. Really fresh. Yeah. Right before Mother's Day. Oh, yeah. There's something wonderful about, um, about animals. There's, there's just something so wonderful about them because they are so pure and innocent and loving and just want to be with you. They don't care about what you look like or, or how much money you have or where you live. They just are, are just an unconditionally 
loving, um, which makes it so hard when they die because yes. you can't have that relationship with a human being. Yes. Yeah. And, and Heidi, you said that this was a dog of a lifetime and some relationships with some of our pets are, are just that they're, they're extraordinary. They're even every relationship we have with one of our animal companions may be special, but some are, are just, they're just so close to our soul. And it sounds like that was the situation here. And also this is the kind of relationship that I mean, it couldn't be any more important. As you said, this, this relationship saved your life. It sounds like, and, and, and so when you lose that kind of connection, that's, that's so traumatic and it so marks the end of an era. Yes. yes. The end of the period just after this other incredibly traumatic loss. And, and so those two losses, I would imagine, are, are sort of tied together. Mm-hmm. And, and it, wouldn't, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be extraordinary at all for Ziggy's death to reawaken a lot of stuff about your husband's death as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I had a very special session with my therapist. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I, th- I think you nailed it by saying the end of an era. I, I can, I can really relate to that as well. I had, mm-hmm. you know, two dogs uh, that both passed in 2019. Uh, my my wow. one little guy, Quentin uh, was 16 and a half years old. So he, he lived a good life. Uh, but, um, you know, I went through a lot. I mean, we all, we've all had our trials and tribulations, right. But, but, you know, it does signify an era of your life. You know, I went through a divorce with him and, and which was very hard to handle, of course. Uh, and, and he was my, my go-to guy, you know, when I wasn't feeling well. And, uh, and then when, after that, I, you know, met Bianca, my, my late wife and she ended up passing away and he was there for me then too, you know, 10 years later. And uh, so it was, it was hard, you know, I, and I realized I, I was 43 when he passed and I was, you know, 27 when, when he, when he was born, you know, it's a, it's a long period of time. I yeah. changed a lot since then. And then my other dog, Apollo, we, we got together, uh, Bianca and I, when we, after we had Benji and he really became Benji's little pal. Uh, they were, they were so close, you know, thick as thieves, so to speak. <laughs> and after Bianca passed, he was just so important to us. He was Benji's little buddy. He would cuddle with him all the time. And, and he passed, unfortunately, at only six years old of a sudden uh, case of acute leukemia. And, uh, you know, to lose him at six years old, two years after losing his mother, uh, just broke me. Uh, it wasn't even, honestly, I love the dog, but it broke me for my son to have to go through that after yeah. losing his mother. He was only three when he lost his mom, five when he lost the dog, but he's old enough to remember this stuff and uh, just hurt. It really hurt me. Uh, and then again, having to go through this with Ziggy, uh, and Benji being part of this again, it's like enough already. My kids had enough yeah. of death, you know, but, uh, it is what it is. We, we go through this time with our dogs. We love them. And the time we spent with them is precious. Unfortunately, they don't live as long as us, um, but I think we would all agree here that it's, it's worth it. It's worth those 10 or 15 years or whatever you get out of them of love to, to experience loss. Right. Yeah. We, we'll cool. often say that, that grief is the cost of having loved and that right, that's right. that's the way we think about it. That if you're gonna if you're gonna love, and hopefully we have the opportunity to have many loving relationships in our in our lives, we're also going to face grief. 
And, and one of the things that I always think about when it comes to children is that everything about every, every aspect of having a pet in the life of your family teaches children something. It yes. teaches them in the beginning to be gentle and to be responsible and to be paying attention in an empathic way to another vulnerable being. And it teaches them all about friendship and, and all that kind of good stuff. And ultimately it teaches them about, about decline and, and that, that we all die, the yeah. reality yeah. of death. Yeah. Yeah. They get woven into the tapestry of our lives. And so when you know they die, it's such a a traumatic, and especially I know Heidi for you because he was so special to you. I call him it's, it's the dog of a, a pet of a lifetime, dog of a lifetime, but it's also your heart dog. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so you know it it's almost like you can't you can't function, you can't breathe, and it brings back like Ken said other losses. That was yep. the same for you, Dave. You know, other all losses come back with another. Absolutely. Yes. And so, the, so how how are you doing? I mean, how are you getting through this? This just happened. <laughs> I'm not I, sure, actually. You have me. I, know, I, know. I do. Yeah, I do have Dave. I do have Benji. I have Zena also. Yeah. I have another little one, um, Ziggy's little brother, little sister. Um, Surrounding you with love. Yeah. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And I'm, I'm so grateful. Yeah. Um, for the most part, I would say, yeah, I just take it day by day, hour by hour. I, you know, I do get triggered <laughs> very frequently. Yeah. You know, I do miss him. I do see signs. Yeah. I, smell, I smell signs. Thank you, Ziggy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if they're good smells, but no, I'm that, that's what I mean. <laughs> that, that's what I mean. And actually, so for the most part, we've been staying at Dave's house here in, you know, Northwest Jersey, and I have my own home closer to New York City, and we were there this weekend, and when I woke up on Sunday morning, uh, was it Sunday morning or Saturday that I told you about that? Uh, Sunday morning. Sunday morning, and you, where were you? You were I was playing baseball. So Dave play, plays baseball on, on Sunday mornings, so I woke up, and he had already left, and Benji was downstairs, and... I swear to God, I, I, I dreamt that, um, that Ziggy was with me, you know, he, he loved to like, just like snuggle in the, the nook right under my armpit. Mm-hmm. And it felt so real. I felt his warmth. Mm-hmm. And of course, when I woke up, Reality that was it. empty. Yeah. yeah. That area was empty. Zena yeah. wasn't that far from me, but of course I realized that it was just a dream, but it just felt so real. And it, it just brought me back to the early days after my husband's passing, because I had very similar dreams with him, mm. you know, just being next to me in bed and it's the same bed, you know? So it's just yeah. it's compounded grief. <laughs> yeah. But it was nice to have that feeling though, right? Yes. Make you yes. feel closer to him and that he was still around really, because they are in our hearts forever. It's that transitional period when you can't touch them or hug them or look at their face and hold them, but they all get nestled in your heart and they stay there. I like to think that it wasn't just a dream, you know, that he was really there. If you believe in that stuff, you know, (laughs) I think there's a lot of stuff we, we, we don't really know. Yeah. 
and it's it's great to to take whatever meeting is uh, most close to your heart. And and I agree. I think that we don't know where he was in reality and if he's there. And one of the things that struck me, Heidi, was that you were telling that story and you were smiling. And just the recollection of that story is a gift yeah. from Ziggy. No, absolutely. <laughs> and what you said earlier, Ken, I absolutely agree. Grief is the price we pay for love. And someone asked me, you know, was it worth it, you know, having Ziggy for such a short time, but then look at how it's affecting you now. And I said, absolutely. absolutely. I would do it again who, and again and again. Who would you be again. without him? Exactly. I wouldn't even be here today, <laughs> you yeah. know, um, sitting here talking. Yeah. Um, and they just... Animals and people, you know, when, when you have a connection with them, they just enrich your lives. And that is worth it. You know, when you find love like that, it's absolutely worth it. Well, and they enrich you in many different ways, right? Um, they, they give you love. They're dependent on you. They, they create you to feel or be healthier, right? Yes. They can lower your cholesterol. They yes. can lower your blood pressure. Yeah. You know, just petting them, just being with them calms and soothes. And they make you laugh. And they also create you to live in the moment because they live in the moment. Yeah. Right. And right. so we learn so much from them. Right. It, the benefits. Something, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, Heidi, it's something that a friend said, was it worth it? And I, I feel like that's everywhere in our society. True. Is it worth it? Is it worth it to experience pain and, you know, to experience emo- the, the negative emotions? We're a society that is so always running away from negative emotions into the brighter emotions. And that's not real. That's not real. <laughs> if you're going to be real in any relationship you're there's going to be some down feelings to it and and also if we're going to support another person we're going to need to be with their them and their pain sometimes that's right and i mean that's one of the things that we hear too too much is that that people don't respect the sadness that other people have they don't they don't empathize with it they try to they try to direct them to just get over it or mm-hmm. you know, give them, give them false solutions for how to yes. feel better. Yes. And you, know you got to feel what you feel. And, and as you said earlier, just keep moving. And if you can't feel the bad stuff, the way I look at it, if you don't feel the bad stuff, you don't have the openness of heart to feel the whole, the whole spectrum of feelings ultimately. Yes. Agreed. They're very special to us. So uh, what did you elect, Heidi Day, to, to, to do with, um, with Ziggy? Um, he was cremated. We actually still have to pick up his cremains. It's, uh, <laughs> it's difficult. I'm not ready. Yeah. I'm not ready yeah. to pick him up. I've been postponing, partially forgetting, but mostly postponing because I, I'm not ready to see him yeah, it makes in it a real. box. Yeah. 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 Course, you know when you're ready, and this is always a process of grief is individualized. You know everybody grieves differently, and when you're ready, you will go bring him home. But yes, it's understandable. Yeah. I mean, rituals and memorials are are, are really important, um, and so whatever and how many times you want to memorialize them, it's fine, and how many rituals you do. So a lot of times people, you know, they'll 
plant gardens or write poems or, you know, they'll you know, write songs. They, um, one person became an EMT, wanted to get back. I mean, of all the people that with hundreds of people we've seen through the groups, I mean, wow. you know, there's so many different things, you know, scrapbooks and portraits and all kinds of things. And it doesn't matter how many you do. Um, it's important if it makes you feel good. That's what, that's what is important. And yeah. bring you closer to them. Absolutely. Yeah. Dave, who's um who's in the backyard? Chester. <laughs> Chester. Yeah. 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 We we made a um a dog print, uh four rocks in the shape of a dog print and buried him out there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's yeah. my my other dog that passed a little too early. He was only four. <laughs> that was about ten years ago. Yeah. He had he had aggression issues. So but he was still my baby. Yeah. Well, There's all- one thing that stands out in my mind, um, the day of that, um, the euthanasia appointment. Um, so basically, we, we made plans for, um, with a friend um, to basically watch Benji, because we didn't want to bring him to the appointment. So, you know, we were about to leave the house. So the plan was to drop him off at the friend's, um, the friend's house, and then we were going to the vet's office. And I remember Benji just said, <sighs> he said, bye, Ziggy, I'll see you when I die. Oh. and he's, he's seven he's seven years old and he's experienced so much loss at such a young age from his mom to um was it all three dogs or two dogs two dogs two do- two of your dogs <clears throat> yeah. and then this one with ziggy too and plus my I, plus his cousin's dog too recently. yes and also his cousin's dog yeah. mavi yeah. and he knows about chrissy also your mom's cat yeah I mean, this poor kid. I mean, he's. I, th- I think he said that innocently, but at the same time, just the fact that his seven-year-old is thinking and saying something like that, "See you when I die," you know, it's kind of like beautiful and shockingly sad at the same time. You know, yeah. absolutely, yeah. It's kind of a, it's kind of a wise thing to say. It is. <laughs> it is. It's very wise. And, he is wise beyond his years, for sure. Yeah, accepting. That's mm. yeah, really something. Yeah, he gets it. You know, unfortunately, he's been around it too much. That's right. He's <laughs> experienced a lot of loss. Yeah, he's a strong kid. It gives you some character and res- resolve and empathy. Yeah, it's good. Absolutely. So gonna go back uh go over to, to you guys for a second um few uh things you know wanted to know about you guys uh you're both you know seasoned professionals in uh behavioral health what made you decide to focus on on grief and bereavement you know particularly with animal loss Nancy? You want to go yeah, i'll sure. do it okay <laughs> so um where i grew up on a farm and I saw death all my life mm. as a kid. You know, we raised animals to die. Oh, um, yeah, right. And so that yeah. was tough, you know, for me because I was an animal lover. I mean, it was way back. I won't say how old I am, but it was many years ago. And so I was isolated on, on these acres. Um, and the, my dogs were my companions. Okay, because I wasn't living in a in a urban area or suburban area where I could walk anymore. Right. And so when I was eleven, um, I got off the school bus, and one of the, my dogs at the time, Skippy, he crossed over the road 
to meet me. Um, and when the bus left, I was assuming he was right next to me, but he got distracted. And so when I turned around, I saw a car hit him. Mm-hmm. And I and it was it was traumatic. I mean, I was 11 years old. Yeah. And so I saw his little body, you know, go down the road. Mm-hmm. And I so that that just seared into me because yeah. when I went down <laughs> to see my grandfather, because I couldn't find my parents. This is a farm mentality, right? It's nothing wrong with that. That's just what it is, right? Right. Animals come, animals go, you know. And his, he said to me, "Well, Nance, we'll get you another one." Mm -hmm. And I was like, "He's the one that I want." So, so as I got, you know, went through my graduate studies, I actually called the Animal Medical Center in New York when I graduated from NYU, and I said, "I wanted, I want to do, I want to talk to people about loss." And Susan Cohen was there, a very famous woman who's who's been around for a long time. And she said, well, I'm sorry, there's only two people that do that right now that I know of, myself and Kathy Barrett at the University of Pennsylvania. So I started the group. Hmm. And that's when I when I started this. this yeah, wow. So. And, and yep. for me, I've always been somebody who loved animals, spent a lot of time outside when I was a child. and had turtles and and rabbits and every kind of every kind of animal you could imagine Mm -hmm. but i wanted to be a veterinarian when i went to college and so i wasn't sure if i wanted to be i wasn't really clear on exactly what i wanted to do so i majored in biopsychology which is kind of a combination of being pre-vet and then having the openness to pursue a career in mental health and in my the, the year before my junior college, my, my junior year in undergraduate uh, studies, I volunteered for our veterinarian who was, had an animal hospital in North Kingston, Rhode Island. And he was a very interesting guy. The first day I volunteered, he had been our family vet for a very long time. The first day I volunteered for him, he asked me to hold this huge German Shepherd dog on you know, the metal tables that they have in their examining rooms. And I held the dog and he gave it an injection and it just fell to the table. Mm. And he, this was his idea as a joke. He had, he had euthanized the dog without telling me what he was doing. And uh, many other kind of funny in a very dark way. I saw, uh, I saw him do many things that were, that were both, strange and and also at times really wonderfully caring toward his patients Mm. and at the very end of my time as uh as a student that summer he said to me you know he said you know i don't think you're going to be a veterinarian i think you're going to be a shrink and i'm going to be those patients (laughs) and about that time i was deciding that it wasn't stimulating enough for me in terms of people contact mm. to be a veterinarian. And, and I'll, I'll just backtrack and give you his idea of a joke. He would say, he would say to me, Ken, could you go, go into the room and, and get me this vial of medication? And I said, well, where, what room are you talking about? Where is it? He goes, well, you go to the to lab and then the room right off to the side, step over the dead goat and pick up the medication. <laughs> the kind of stuff he would do. It was very very interesting character. 
but I, I went on to, to, to study mental health, but I never, I never got far. I always had animals in my life. And, and I also believed very much what I learned early on, which is that grief is the elemental human experience that every change that we have from the time we're very small to, for example, when we leave home to go to school for the first day of, of kindergarten or first grade, that's a loss. And it's a loss for our parents because everything changes. And then when we leave our home to go to college, if that's what we're gonna do, we're, we're always losing. And so a therapist should be very conversant with the, the process of grief and really ready to help people with that. Mm -hmm. And so I, I considered that to be sort of a core thing that we're working with all the time as therapists and as advisors and coaches. And so Nancy asked me to join the group. She had already been doing it for many, many years and asked me to join as co-facilitator, the person who had been present with her doing it. We did the group on alternating weeks, was leaving, I think she was moving somewhere else in the country. And so that's, that's what brought me into doing the pet loss group. And then I just felt like there was so much gained in the experience that it'd be really great to put it into a book mm -hmm. and to make it available, make what we took away from, from our meetings available to people who don't have access, mm -hmm. easy access to a support group. But th that's sort of in a nutshell. I mean, I, I'm somebody now who I have 27 chickens. I have a cat. I have two dogs. I'm looking forward <laughs> to getting llamas, hopefully, before too long. Nice. And I just feel like being connected to animals and also to the natural world. I'm working on a permaculture project here that is all about growing, growing fruit trees and, and perennial vegetables and berry bushes and plants that support them and support the development of healthy topsoil because I feel like one of the important tasks of, of our time is to help us do anything we can to help to restore the natural world mm -hmm. that, we're, that we're fast destroying. And so all of these things are taught as a family therapist, somebody who's trained as a family systems therapist, everything is connected to everything else. Mm -hmm. That's the way I look at working with people and working with human systems and working with the larger system. That is the awesome planet that we are, that we are right. gifted with being part of all these things are connected. So it's, it's, it's actually kind of hard for me to say how any particular focus of my professional life is apart from all the rest that I, mm -hmm. that I try to do. And I think it's all about trying to, trying to contribute to healing in whatever ways we can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's interesting that you spoke about interconnectedness. One of the, um, the things that helped me with my healing from my husband's passing was studying Buddhism. I grew up, you know, Roman Catholic in the Philippines, um, went to Catholic school for 12 years. Oh, I'm um, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately i did not find much i guess comfort or solace in 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 that faith because i just you know i would ask my priest a question and you know the the answers honestly just seemed trite and i just i kept pushing for more 
and I just was unsatisfied. So I started reading on Buddhism and, um, you know, coincidentally or accidentally, I found myself in a Buddhist monastery in upstate New York, you know, the first Thanksgiving after Arnold passed. And I really just wanted to go to a yoga meditation. <laughs> I ended up in a Buddhist monastery. And anyway, going back to Buddhism, you know, one of the, the key tenets is interbeing, interconnectedness, you know, what we do affects others. And even just when we sit down to eat and we do not traditional sitting meditation, but eating meditation, we ate in silence. And, you know, we would look at, let's say, like a bowl of cereal and, um, meditating on it, and then contemplating, like, what are the things that brought each of these elements that are inside my bowl? What brought them here? So for example, there's like a, a piece of walnut, you know, how did this walnut come and end up, you know, come to be and end up in my bowl? And we were taught to think about, okay, you know, there needed to be a seed, there needed to be water, there needed to be clouds and sun, and there needed to be a farmer who harvested, and there needed to be a person who brought, you know, who drove all these things from the farm to the supermarket. And then I had to go to the supermarket and bring it to my home and, you know, and then all the other things that's in my bowl. So it just really emphasizes, you know, interbeing and interconnectedness. Um, so I, I absolutely agree, Ken, everything we do affects everything else. Yeah. Well, it's important, too, that you moved away from Catholicism a little bit, because for a long time, I, I don't think that the Catholic Church believed it, that animals had souls. Mm. I, don't, now, I, I, do. I think they wow. still don't. Actually. No, well, actually, Pope Francis did come out and say, yes, Wow. They do have souls. Now that just was recent in the last couple of years, Interesting. right? Interesting. Dad, if you're but, listening to this, are you listening, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> so, which is good, right? But for a long time, people would come to the group and they would feel like, oh my God, my my priest is saying that they don't have souls. Although they would, they would bless the animals though in October, which I thought was kind of weird. But anyway, um, so so we know now that it's okay. That's interesting. I mean, Pope that's, that's so definitely... baffling, you know, in a way. I mean, how can you look at another living thing, certainly the face of a dog, and not know that there's a consciousness right. that's there with you? And, right. and exactly. in fact, a very attuned, empathic consciousness. Yeah. It's just, it, to me, it's, it's just, a, it's, it would be very sad to imagine a life without that understanding. Mm -hmm. A life in which other living beings are objects and not alive in the same way that we are. Yeah. Very sad, I think. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, we're obviously humans have a higher level of intelligence, but what, what, are you what, sure about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, not. maybe not all humans, <laughs> but you know, why why would we have souls and other animals not? Especially when you look at dolphins or or monkeys. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. <laughs> And, and even when you say that, Dave, like, I yeah. think, well, we're differently. We have different intelligence. Yes. Yeah, and, right. And of course, that, of course. And that the, we're also, we're one of the organisms that is destroying yeah. the environment yes. within which we live. And, right. and so how intelligent is that? Yeah. Really? <laughs> exactly. How much do we have to learn yeah. to get to a higher level of intelligence? Yep. Yep. That is true. <laughs> 
So let's talk about your book. So as you mentioned, Ken, and as we mentioned at the top of this episode, um, you both co-authored a book in 2013 called The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups. What are some key pieces of advice that you'd like to share to our, with our listeners? Well, there were some questions, right, Ken, that always came up. And, and Ken, you know, I had, I was involved all all along, but Ken really authored the book. I mean, he's the writer. And so, um, but we, we went off a lot of those questions, like, how do we get through this? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll ever be able to, you know, live again or, or be the same again. You know, I, I'm not sure how to deal with our grief. Um, there were the questions, of, especially around euthanasia. Euthanasia was always a difficult one. You know, did I did I do it too soon? Did I do it too late? I feel so guilty. You always second guess yourself. It's 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 oh, very yeah. very difficult topic, um, and the guilt is the hardest to deal with. But there were other questions like, when do I get another one? When do I know? How how do I know that? So right, Ken. I mean, there were there were quite yeah. A few of those we, we tried to we tried to put into that book everything that we could, everything that we felt like we wanted to give to people who couldn't be in a group like that. And so even questions like, and this is something that came up more times than you might imagine, I don't want to feel good because when I feel good, I feel like I'm betraying Mm -hmm. my friend. Mm -hmm. And so just talking about the importance of allowing ourselves to be joyful and at the same time to hold on to the connection that we had with our beloved animal companion. So all the different pieces and the, well, how to deal with people who, who don't understand mm-hmm. and who don't know what to say and maybe even are, are going to devalue you as a result that's of a, That's an important one, Ken, actually. So yeah. what's interesting is that as widows, we always had people tell us, you know, like, I know what you're going through. You know, I lost my mom. I lost my dad. I lost my son, my daughter. I lost my dog. And I was among those people who felt very offended. You know, right. how dare you say, how dare you even think that you understand what I'm going through and compare my grief with, you know, your loss of blank, right? And I think the loss of a pet was certainly up there. And, and now I see now, actually, I realized actually, even before I lost Ziggy, that, you know, like post loss, you know, we, we just have like really heightened sensitivities, we're just so sensitive. Um, and then for someone to try to compare, I don't know, in a, in a way, we felt like our even our loss was minimized, but really what I was doing was minimizing their loss, right? Um, you know, everyone grieves differently. And, you know, pet loss, animal loss, absolutely is real grief. Yeah. You know, it's very traumatic. It's so dismissive yes. to, to respond to a person in that way. And, and the way that we will often talk about it is that what they're trying to do is to make themselves feel better by telling you, to kind of get over it. Right. Like that's it's like it's very hard for people to be for many people to be in the presence of somebody who's in distress. Yeah. They don't know what to do with it. They want to fix help. it. Yep. They want it to go away. They want to give you platitudes that they think will immediately make you feel better so that they don't have to feel 
whatever they're feeling in the presence of your anguish. Mm-hmm. So they, they do those kinds of things that are like, let's just, let's just have you get to the other side of your grief experience and, and we'll go from there. And so it, it's, it's very dismissive. And you know, this whole, you're talking about Buddhism, just this idea of being quiet and present in, in the moment, whatever the other person is going through who is your companion at that moment is something that many people are so unpracticed at. Mm-hmm. We're such a, we're such a fast moving, mm-hmm. you know, I, I lived in, in Jersey for 30 something years. So, and Nancy lives there now. So we know the, the tenor of the, yes. <laughs> there, I think. I, I'm in rural mass now, which is a little different uh, in general. And, and it's so important for us to acknowledge and invalidate the experiences of other people. And many people are not practiced at it. One of the, one of the things that I'll bring up quite frequently when, when, we have, when we have discussions about loss is that there was, there was research that I saw many years ago. And I, I, I assume that it's probably, I think it might've even gotten worse in recent times that, that said that, that found that when a person knows that a person close to them has had a major loss, whether it is a death or a relationship or something really important to them, like a job or, or certainly the loss of a, of a pet who they had a real close connection to, that person will give them three weeks, will feel like, okay, I'll expect that maybe they'll be upset for three weeks. And then after that, if they're still upset, we'll presume that there's something wrong with them. Mm. And that is not the way, that's not reality. That's not mm-hmm. the way human beings are wired. Yeah. It takes whatever time it takes. It varies greatly across individuals. And also, I don't think that we grieve well in our, generally, I don't think we grieve well in our society at all anyway i mean you have three days off of work yeah okay then you have to go back um and and for especially with people with with companion animal loss you know it's disenfranchised to some degree because mm-hmm. you know people and we can talk a lot about the workplace you know i had a woman who she just she took a, she took a medical leave because she didn't want to come back into the workplace because she was afraid of really sharing what was going on mm-hmm. that she was so distraught over the loss of her dog mm-hmm. and so people don't they don't understand a third look you know a third of people don't like animals or they don't you know, have anything to do with them, particularly, you know, it's okay. That's their preference. But that whole third is like, you know, so just go get another one. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and that is makes those people grieving more distraught because they feel that, that no one is understanding them. That's the beauty of a support group though. You know, that people can come and have that experience, the same experience that others are having. Mm -hmm. Yeah, having that exactly. community, having that safe space to yeah. speak and not be judged and yeah. being understood. Absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've actually heard from a couple people who mentioned the loss of their pet at work and how upset they were. And they, they actually were deemed less competent as a result, like their supervisor then seemed to take a turn toward, I don't know if I can trust this person with a really important project, and, wow. you know, really kind of, in one case, belittled them 
about their loss and about their grief. And so there can even be that sort of, of negative consequence as a result of just being open about the loss. So people have to choose their support, their support contacts carefully, mm-hmm. which should, of course, shouldn't be the case, but, but apparently is. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree. Um, it's important to find people that you can trust. And like you said, you know, unfortunately, in the reality is, you know, there are repercussions, right? If you're, <laughs> you're a little bit too honest about how you're feeling and how you're grieving and at what stage you're in. Um, so absolutely, we, we need to find the right support, as you noted. Yeah. Yeah, it's just to say, just get another one. Oh, it doesn't work. I remember one. Yeah. One, one of um, the group members said when um, their grandmother died, we'll just go get another grandmother. <laughs> you know, I mean, because that's, it's, a, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of the same. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not understanding. It's the relationship you grieve. Yep. It's, it's, it's not how many legs the, the being has, it's the relationship you have. Yeah. And that's what makes it so difficult with our, our companion animal. Yeah. There's definitely some, some who say that you can never compare the loss of a pet to the loss of a human. And uh, I don't, I don't think I buy into that. I think Mm -hmm. that everyone's experience is different. I think that, you know, if if I, even if I wasn't sure about it before, I certainly am now after knowing Heidi and, and knowing how, and understanding, not just knowing, but understanding her feelings towards Ziggy and where that comes from. Um, well, that's what people, all, most people would come into the group, right, Ken? And they, they almost whisper and they say, I'm crazy. And uh, we say, what do you mean? What do you mean you're crazy? I have never grieved so much. Yeah. And yep. Even for a spouse, a partner, yep. a grandmother, you know, a parent. But we never heard child. And I think that a lot of times we look at these, you know, beloved animals as our kids, we have to take care of them. You know, they depend on us, you know, so. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I was with Arnell 14 years total in total and we were married 10 and we never had kids and we had always planned to get a dog. Fortunately that never happened. Um, And when I finally adopted Ziggy, when I had, <laughs> I welcomed him into him into my life. And, you know, the fact that he depended on me on every single thing, mm-hmm. you know, not to, you know, I'm not comparing it to your relationship with Benji. Yeah, Obviously there okay. is a difference, but you know, in many ways he, he, he was my child, mm-hmm. you know, he's a living creature that depends on you. Yes. Well, there's, there's, and there's this kind of intimacy that is very similar to caring for an infant mm-hmm. because you have to intuit their needs you have to communicate non-verbally right yes. you have to and and there's a closeness and how do you talk about he was you had the dream of him sleeping with you the way he did we we touch them all the time we, we touch them with our hands we we have a kind of connection that is is so intimate and and often as they get older we have to do things for them that that have to do with manipulating their bodies, whether it's giving them medication or, mm-hmm. or just paying real close attention to whether they're eating and, you know, all those, all those kinds of things that it's impo- it would be impossible to not feel very, very, very close. And, and of course they're in our household. Mm-hmm. They're always in our household. They're always near us. So yeah. a parent 
as we become adults, probably is in a different household. We, we might talk with them on the phone frequently, but they're not, we're not, they're not a part of our daily routine every mm-hmm. single day. And right. so there's a, there's a kind of tearing open of, of our, our, our just everyday existence when we lose them. Yep. Yeah, that just brought me back, Ken. Um, the last few months of Ziggy's life, um, his hind legs atrophied so much that, you know, I, he was wearing a diaper, but, you know, I think he might have had an infection maybe for about a week. So he was diaper free. And I basically had to, from that point on, I had to bathe him every single night because he would soil himself. And, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't easy. It was definitely yeah. difficult. And I would just tell myself, I'm lucky I'm still doing this. I'm lucky I still yeah. get to do this. Yeah. Right. You know, it, it was a struggle physical and mental and emotional struggle. But, you know, I just kept telling myself, you know, I'm lucky that I you know, I, I changed my language in my mind, you know, a um, little bit of CBT. So basically, I was telling myself, you know, like, change it, you know, don't say I have to do this, I have to bathe Ziggy. No, I get to bathe Ziggy. Yeah, right. He's still here. Yeah. And, yeah. See, yeah. and he was so lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somebody who yeah. sure was. was so committed to his care and comfort. Yep. Absolutely. Nancy, I know one thing you said earlier really, really resonates with, with Heidi's situation. And uh, that was the, you know, the struggle of um, whether to put him down or not. And when, I mean, she battled that going both directions. Am I holding on too long? You know, is he suffering? And then what if I put him down and and he's still okay? You know, uh, maybe he could go longer. And she, she really had a tough time with that, you know? So, euthanasia uh, is one of the most difficult decisions that anyone will ever make. Yeah, it sure is. We, people, we, we don't want to play God. We don't want to do this. Yep. Um, however, in some ways, understanding where the animal is and their quality of life. Right. And, and really we need to work with your veterinarian with this. And you really, there's, there's checklists now that are very detailed about, you know, well, what's his mobility like? And is he eating or is he drinking or is he happy? You know, and it, it's never, uh, it's never an easy, you know, you know, decision. Um, and a lot of people second guess it all the time. However, people have to realize they're not killing their animal. The disease is. Of course. And that somehow takes a little bit of that away because you can help them not suffer anymore. Yep. And so is it hard? Absolutely. <laughs> there is no doubt about that. And the guilt is, is one is probably the hardest emotion to deal with. You know um, I mean, obviously we're sad and distraught and depressed, but guilt just eats us up. Yeah. So, and we can't take it as therapists, we can't take it away, but we hope at some point in time that people will forgive themselves yeah. because most of the time it's the right decision. It's not an easy decision, yep. but it's the right decision. Yeah. It's a unique situation that we don't really have to deal with, with human right. humans passing. Right. Um, you know, your, your, your intellect tells you it's the right thing to do, you know, assuming that, you know, it's the right thing to do. Like I did with Apollo, who's clearly suffering, but your emotion is standing over this, your, your animal, your, your love, and, and yeah. you're making the decision to put him to sleep. And uh, that's, that's hard. That's hard on your brain, you know, yeah. no question about it. 
Yeah. And, and they don't know, by the way. I mean, people right. are oh, freaked out, right? They, I'm taking them to be euthanized. They know it. They no, don't, they don't know. They don't know. They don't know. You know, they may pick up on your feelings, obviously. They know yeah. you're intuitive, but yep. they don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I definitely grappled with that. Um, you mentioned a checklist, Nancy. So I was actually posting a lot on Facebook at that time. And, you know, I am connected to some of the volunteers from the two organizations, the rescues um, that I adopted both Zig and Zena from, and they do have a checklist. And then they mentioned that. So they let me know exactly what you mentioned, Nancy, you know, are they eating? What's the mobility? Are they drinking? And honestly, I felt like I really pushed it. So I, you know, I feel guilty about that. Like I, I probably should have, you know, probably should have done it sooner. But at the same time, you know, like the weeks leading to that day, I kept thinking, you know, like, I don't want to give up on him. You know, he fought so hard, especially through cancer and something like this. It was unknown. We didn't even know really what was happening. It was just a sharp decline. Um, so it was, it's tough. It's really tough because you never know what the right answer is. And and even with a, with a death, I mean, sometimes it's not it, it's it's you know it's hard, but there's you can get through it. Sometimes they just die on their own, but sometimes the deaths are very painful and mm. and demonstrative, and that's hard too. I mean, yeah, it just oh yeah, or there's accidents and you witness something, you know it. Right. So no matter how you know you look at it, it's just a very difficult. It's a difficult. Yeah. Process. Yeah. What one of the things that that I think uh, I think about when I look at the process that we go through is that we do exactly what you're what you're demonstrating, Heidi, which is we 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 sort of emotionally chew on it. We we say it. We cry it. We 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 work through these questions over and over and over again, and eventually it becomes older news. And it, it just isn't so evocative most times. It'll, it'll still be evocative at sometimes at anniversaries and, and when certain songs come on the radio that mm-hmm. bring the memories mm-hmm. or when you smell something or you see yep. a sign. But, but that's, that to me is the healing journey. It's this, it's mm-hmm. this process of repetitively revisiting and questioning and feeling and it's almost like we exhaust ourselves enough through doing yeah. that, that we don't have to keep doing it at the same level of intensity. And that's the process. Absolutely. Yeah. We, I was taught or we are told that, you know, um, Oh my God, I just lost, lost my train of thought. <laughs> Go ahead. Nancy, you, you recently experienced the loss yourself. Uh, yeah. tell, us, tell us about it. Yes. Um, I have lost, oh, you know, I have so many losses. Yeah, um, yeah. I've had pug, pugs pretty much. Oh, nice. Um, and started in uh, my first pug. Actually, my first pug died April 3rd, 1989. Wow. And I started the group April 3rd of 1990. Mm. Oh, wow. So wow. it was for her. And it just was kismet. Right. I mean, it, nice. it, I didn't pick that. It just happened that way, right? A Tuesday in April. And so, um, so I now, I, I, I mem- memorialize all of my pugs with teapots 
And so they all have teapots that fit their, you know, personalities. Right. And so I have seven little teapots now. Wow. So I have to to get a shelf. Yeah. So, um, but Molly was one of of four. It was a family. Jackie's still alive, daddy. Um, My heart dog, my heart dog was Hank. He had so many things wrong with him for six Mm. years, diabetes and anemia and epilepsy. And so he died in in 2019. Mommy Rosie died in 2020 and Molly just died a month ago. So um, I, yes. And I, and because Molly looked like a kitten, we have a little black cat teapot. (laughs) So, but you know, it was hard. I mean, she died on her own. We did not, we did not euthanize her, but um, we were luckily, and I wasn't there, which I feel guilty about. She yeah. died in the hospital. No. Um, but I will say the sign. I think I told you guys before that um, the night that she was in the hospital and she had had vertigo, we thought she had a stroke, but she had vertigo. It was weird. Um and she was, they said, well, she's not really doing, she's okay, but she's not, you know, doing as well as we hoped. And, you know, in vertigo, they can't release a dog and from the hospital unless they can, they can eat, stand and walk, right? And vertigo, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. if, you, if they're not working through that, it could take months. Yeah. Right. So we're thinking, well, you know, we're going to have to maybe euthanize her. Um, but I woke up. At around you know four four thirty five somewhere in that range I don't didn't look at the clock to go use the bathroom and there was a bright light on my rug which I've never seen twenty some years that we've lived here and I thought wow is the moon coming in and it was like a reflection window reflection and I went no moon and about I don't know half an hour forty minutes forty five minutes they called and said she had died wow. And so I was like, and I said at the time, that's my son. Yeah. And so, and she said goodbye. And so, you know, it was heartbreaking, obviously. And then we, I was, we were upset that we weren't there. So we were able to go. Um, I had actually done some work at Blue Pearl and and where I, near where I live um, for about, uh, about seven months, I was there doing an internship. And so they let me in, which was nice. And, and mm-hmm. we said goodbye to her. And we did have a funeral. We used Abby Glenn and we did go up and, and, and she was, she was there and we could spend some time with her. Um, but yeah, I, thank you. Yeah, it was hard. Yeah. And now we have Jackie, daddy. We have our little Frenchie who's paraplegic. We rescued her that way. Wow. So she is my infant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so we only have five. We have two now, but it's okay. Only. <laughs> you know, we, we love them all, you know. And, That's awesome. And all the rest are here. So, and so, and Ken has some, um, some. Yeah. Animals too. His, yeah. I have my two little chihuahuas who will be 16 this wow. month, actually. That's wow. awesome. One of them, Abigail, is in apparently astoundingly good health. <laughs> That's blood, great. Blood, Little dogs live a long time. Yeah. She had blood work recently, and the vet said that she's rarely seen a dog of this age who has such normal lab results. But my other yeah. dog, has uh, Isabel, has been on the edge of congestive heart failure for like four years. Oh, four years ago, hmm. started, and we've 
we were told we probably won't have her for another year or two years. And she just keeps going. She's on five different medications. That's great. Once a <laughs> day. So, yeah. But you also lost Henry this past year, yeah, right? Yeah, I lost Henry about a year ago. Henry was a, a barn cat I had adopted from the local animal shelter. And, hmm. you know, barn cats are cats that can't live inside right. because they've hurt somebody or they've done some bad behavior or mm-hmm. misbehaved in one way or another. He was very, he was really close to me. He was follow me everywhere. And I had actually had another barn cat who was really special to me named Diana. And this was before, before I had a fence around the property. And I mean, a fence that I had built to try to contain the cats. And so she actually got killed on the road. Oh, not terribly long. I guess I had her for about a year. And so then I had a, a fence built around about a, I don't know, about a, uh, maybe a half acre that is six feet tall and has a, another extension that comes. <laughs> right in. And uh, that fence contains my, my cat who I got about the same time as Henry. Her name is Esme. And I'm surprised she's not climbing all over me. Right <laughs> now. That sounds, but Henry learned how to get out. And he would, I would be doing something on the roof and he'd be with me or I'd be out in a pasture. And, but he was, he got some kind of cough and took him to the bed. And the vet with COVID, you can't go inside, mm-hmm. you know, yep. send him over. And mm-hmm. they, he didn't cough when he was with the vet. And I brought him back home and put him outside. And he started coughing and he looked at me like, see, I was able to hold it together. <laughs> well, I went to the bat and then wow. that night disappeared. So yeah. my oh. guess is that he got caught by a coyote, coyote or something. Oh my God. The best of health. He said know. he disappeared. Oh, wow. He oh. disappeared. Yeah. Oh. Which... Sorry. So we've all, yeah, we've all had our loss. Yeah. 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 We, we've just got little Zena now. She's, she's four. <laughs> she's adorable. And she, she's, I feel like she's Benji's ESA in some ways, you know? I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And I think this this might or could be a topic for another episode, but <laughs> Benji has been pushing for a new dog. Right. So. Ah. Well, I, I had promised and him. We get another, right? Yeah, I, I had promised him that we were going to get a dog uh, last year, you know, after we lost our two. And then me and Heidi started, started Heidi and I started dating. And uh, next thing you know, we had two dogs and Heidi. So, you know. Instant <laughs> <laughs> family. Yeah. So, so but, but he's still, you know, we, we kind of talked about it like in quiet, you know, when Heidi wasn't around because I didn't want to talk about it in front of her that someday Ziggy was going to pass. You know, we knew maybe, hopefully it'd be two years, who knows. But when that happened after that, after the dust settles for a little while, you know, we can talk about getting a puppy. So now we're in that settling mode. We're not thinking about it right yet. We got to respect Ziggy. Of course. And, uh, you know, but maybe sometime in the fall or something. Who knows? We'll we'll figure that out. Well, you can call us anytime. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and eight years old is is the magic number in my family. Nice. I was eight when we got a dog when I was a child. I got a dog. I got two dogs for my son. Well, for my son and for me as well when, yeah. when he was eight. And right. it sounds That's like awesome. Benji's is coming to be about eight pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> birthday so, present. That's, <laughs> that's gonna that be the age. Yeah, that's perfect. Yep. Okay, so uh, we're kind of wrapping up here. We're gonna uh, we're gonna now uh, throw our theme question at you guys. Our podcast is named after this Charles Bukowski quote. 
We are here to laugh at the odds and live our life so well that death will tremble to take us. What does this mean to you and how do you laugh at the odds? Start with Ken. Yeah, what does it mean to me? It means that you got you to gotta do what makes you joyful. You got to mm, right. do the things that are going to help you to be fulfilling, and to feel fulfilled. And that, you know, there's a great, there's a great section in a book by Dwayne Elgin. It's, his book is called Voluntary Simplicity. And his quote is, let death, the quote that opens this particular section where the title for the section is, let death be your friend. Mm. And the idea is that if we keep in mind that life is finite, we're hopefully going to make better use of it. Yeah. Like and that. so that's the way I think of it. That, that, and I've tried to live planfully for many, many years. My husband and I have tried to live planfully so that mm. we can have a life where we're not, we're not on a conveyor that other people are controlling. Mm-hmm. We're, we're making choices that we find fulfilling. So, and, and laugh at the odds is, to me that the point is you just never know. Like mm-hmm. Heidi, unfortunately you, you face the, the extraordinary trauma of your husband dying suddenly. We never know when that could happen to any one of us. And so Absolutely. every day we have to make, we have to make a, a good life happen. We have to mm-hmm. see it as a gift. Yeah. So mine would be respect death, but live yourself to the fullest every day and be mindful yeah. and take in all that positivity and have gratitude. Absolutely. Beautiful. Perfect. <laughs> okay. Now it's time for our quote of the episode. Our animal companions give their complete devotion, kindness offered and kindness returned. A unique equation in the formula of love. Unique because the devotion we receive from our pets never suffers the shortcomings of human love, such as cynicism, manipulation, and unfaithfulness. Instead, their unconditional love remains constant. By none other than Ken Dolan Del Vecchio, the Pet Loss Companion. All right, before we close this episode, where can our listeners find you and what is the best way to get in touch with you? Nancy? Um, I guess I, I would say, Ken, with the, fa- the Facebook, uh, the Pet Loss Companion that we do on Thursday nights. However, Ken, there's th- it's also on Anchor, right? And Apple yep. and... Spotify, whole other Spotify. Other okay. Places, yeah. And we have our information on that. Yeah. On, on that um, yeah. Right. So, um, but I don't really have a uh, personal Facebook page but we we were reachable through the pet loss companion okay. right that's the the podcast mm-hmm. yeah sure awesome. and and the, the the same for me when it comes to the podcast when it comes to the the youtube channel pet loss companion i have another youtube channel that's called work life confidential and then you can reach me also on my website which is kendolandelvecchio.com or greengateleadership.com Great. Awesome. All right. Great to be with you. Thank you so much for letting us, you know, join you and try to help you, you know, you guys through, you know, also your experience with loss with Siggy and other dogs and your husband. And yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
Thank you. Thank you so much for being on our show, sure. Ken and Nancy. We, we really appreciate you guys. It's been great. It's been uh, very uplifting, you know, talking about our, our babies. Mm-hmm. And uh, we hope our listeners learned as much as, as we did during this episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good night. Good night. Okay, bye. Bye. Please subscribe to our show and give us five stars and a positive review on Apple Podcast. You can also find us on Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and YouTube. And don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Laugh at the Odds Podcast with Heidi and Dave. And remember to always laugh at the odds.